0: Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount.
1: Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football in association with SoccerX, connecting football for 25 years.
0: Hello and welcome to the Football Club Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Manby. And today I'm talking to Erin Williams, Sport Engagement Manager for Stonewall. Erin is one of the many people behind the annual Rainbow Laces campaign, the movement focused on creating an environment in sport where anyone who identifies as LGBTQ can feel comfortable and free of fear from abuse. On the show, we'll discuss this year's campaign and how Stonewall aims to encourage people to be not just silent supporters, but also active participatory allies in the initiative. Erin, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Alex, and thank you very much for having me today. It's great to be here.
0: So for those who might not be aware of Rainbow Laces, perhaps listening outside of the UK, can you give us a little background on the campaign and what its goals are?
1: Yep, absolutely. So Rainbow Laces is aimed at increasing... You know, improving um, inclusion for LGBTQ plus people in sport. It started off as a as a football campaign, but now it's really gone into you know taken its own wheels and gone into loads of other sports as people make it their own. It's it's there to combat and to bring awareness of the fact that we know that a lot of LGBTQ plus people are not. You know, don't feel accepted in sport. We know that um, four in ten people don't feel comfortable going to to games, and we know that in our, in Europe, thirty three percent of people aren't even out to people in in their sporting environments. So we're here to in, ensure that you know what what we're doing and how we can um, how we're running our sports programs actually does what we need it to do in terms of saying. Everybody should be able to play sport. Everybody should be able to watch sport. Um, And we should all be able to succeed in in sport.
0: Things are changing a little bit this year Mm -hmm. with the tagline, lace up and speak up. That's more of a call to action than in previous years, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. So I think, you know, Rainbow Laces has been running for a few years now, and it's been a great sign of of visibility, but visibility doesn't really mean much without action behind it. And we've now got to a point where we've moved beyond people just needing to show a little small token, you know, to show support. It's actually saying, well, okay, well, we know we have the support, so what are we actually doing to make the change? And the the really simple way to do this and one of the most effective ways is to is to speak up. So you know we're we're just focusing on lacing up, still show that visibility, but also speak up this year and, and start the conversation around. You know how we can identify what the barriers are for um, LGBTQ plus people in, in sport. How we can how we can tear them down, and and what the actual situation is where people who are not LGBTQ plus, so allies, is what we, we call them, um, who stand up for us. You know what what actually needs to be done, and the speaking up really raises um, a bit more of a collective action around that.
0: In the wake of the George Floyd killing. There was much discussion about the difference between an individual being not racist versus Mm -hmm. Mm anti-racist. Do you see a parallel with lace-up and speak-up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, we speak a lot about, you know, what maybe passive negative behavior, behavior is. So active negative behavior is is somebody actively using, you know, homophobic, biphobic, transphobic language, racist language, sexist language. Um, but there's so many people who are more passive and maybe just don't challenge it. Don't call it out. And we know that's really common in, in locker room situations, or you know, in the terraces in football, where you know somebody might start a chant or a song, and, and nobody's saying actually that's that's not okay, or nobody's reporting it, or or just calling it in with your you know your mates in the locker room. Um, so that's where we're you know we're starting to see a lot of massive allies coming out and saying it's not enough to just say that. I support people. It's it's being able to say, actually, I'm going to challenge the negative behavior and I'm going to really embrace that difference and, and bring it forward. So yeah, there, there are parallels for sure.
0: I'm keen to understand a bit more about the role that football plays in that and who some of these allies are, but just remaining for a second on the overall objectives of Rainbow Laces. One of the hardest things for any marketeer is to change or to instigate widespread societal behavior change, but that's exactly what rainbow laces is trying to do how do you go about a big bold objective like that and what are the key messages you use
1: yeah it's i mean i think it's really important to note that you know it's it's a process and we're not looking for instantaneous you know surprise change we have the campaign which runs this time in december and and november and december every year but you know i have a a full-time job you know you've 365 you know and so does my whole team working behind the scenes working with groups to make sure that this is an ongoing conversation so we do that you know through education through policy changes through workshops through people getting really to to understand you know what it is about sport that we love and what what skills are we building up when we play and when we support each other and what is so integral to sporting culture anyway, it is things like respect and, and courage and and having your back and having my back. And all of those things tie really well into it shouldn't just happen on the pitch. It should happen, you know, in terms of team cohesiveness. And we know that people play better when they're able to be themselves. So, you know, why are we putting up barriers that mean that people can't play very well? And that's something that we go all year round, and then the 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 campaign is is mainly a way to to celebrate that and to raise a bit more awareness to get people who maybe wouldn't otherwise engage with LGBTQ plus issues to understand that you know this is actually something that is is really relevant in football that you know very clearly with a lot of and I know we'll speak about it soon the the allies speaking up within the men's game you know they're bringing it up themselves they're talking about it they're, they're it's a it's an issue close to people's heart and galvanizing all of that you know this that wasn't the case five six years ago but as we trickle through things and then as people get more and more aware through things like I mean we do some incredible work with the Premier League and the community foundations and the player care teams and it's really getting in there and embedding it and then watching that sort of explode outwards so yeah it's 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 a long process it's a long journey and you know i think the whole idea is that there's always going to be new things to talk about but as we as we go through it's raising that awareness and then taking that building that action change
0: you talk about it being a long process it's been six years i believe Mm -hmm. since rainbow laces was launched is it working do you see progress
1: yeah i think so i think i really do think so I mean, I know just for myself with my own teammates, you know, six years ago, I, I put the laces in and no one had any idea what they meant. I had teammates who were allies who didn't want to wear the laces because they didn't want to be, you know, perceived as being LGBT. And, and now it's, you know, you have Jordan Henderson who would take them out of his boots and people actually outwardly going out there and saying, not only do I have these in, but I know why I have them in and. I want to start the conversation and really understand where we're going with it. So yeah, I do. I do think it's working, and this idea that it's you know the Premier League clubs have gotten behind it. Every year we see university teams and schools and and things like that. And you know just to keep in mind with with um, Section Twenty Eight, which outlawed school teachers from talking about LGBTQ plus identities, it wasn't repealed very long ago. And you know the fact that they're they're doing something now where every school will have Rainbow Laces Day. That would have been illegal when I was in school. So the fact that it's not just got to a point where it's not just illegal now, it's actually really celebrated, and kids are able to go into the, um, their PE classes and say, "This is a token of of inclusion," and now we're going to have a conversation about it. It it pops up in so many different ways. So, I mean, we definitely have a long way to go, and I don't think it's going to be a, you know an end to rainbow laces anytime soon. But it is working, and um, and now it's just about moving that forward a bit.
0: You talk about a long way to go, you talk about moving forward. What are the big obstacles in the way now that you've got the Premier League Mm -hmm. on side, the clubs are adopting it, many players are allies? Mm -hmm. What do you see as your biggest obstacles now?
1: I think a massive part of it is understanding the full spectrum of what barriers to LGBT inclusion are and look like. And, you know, the idea that sport doesn't exist. In a in a vacuum, so there's still a lot of issues going on in in daily society. You know, the transphobia happening all throughout the world in the UK is preventing people from being able to to even think that football could be a place for them. All of that area is a, is a big thing, and I, I do think there's also the challenge with changing fan behaviours and and changing that sort of pack mentality that sometimes happens. Um, and we see it with with singing and. I think it's so important that you know the clubs have been really firm that you know that sort of um it's, i don't even want to call it support but that sort of sort of vocal singing is not appropriate at all um and it's it's harmful if 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 anything um but we we really need to get people on on that side of the message so I think it's twofold it's it's what's going on in culture as as a whole um you know in sport not existing in that vacuum and then it's maybe people who are a bit more resistant or get involved in that pack mentality and um, and perpetuate some, some negative thoughts.
0: Rainbow Laces covers the full LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. spectrum. I imagine it's safe to assume that some elements of that spectrum are further advanced in this journey that you talk about than others. The thing that springs to my mind is transgender rights mm-hmm. in sport, which have been in the news a lot this year, notably with the case of Laurel Hubbard in mm-hmm. New Zealand. A weightlifter who competed at the Tokyo Olympics. I understand you'll treat this all under the same mm-hmm. equality opportunity for all, but do you have to deal with certain elements in a different way?
1: Um, unfortunately, yes. I, I mean, I think with trans inclusion in sport, you know, everybody deserves to have the benefits of sport and, you know, especially trans people who are experiencing, you know, awful situations from, um, you know, barriers to medical care and, and, transphobia in the media and you know a lot of the the things that are happening at the moment and you know family rejection sport is an outlet for everyone and people who need it most should should you know be on the top of the list to be able to access it unfortunately for a lot of trans people that's not the case um there's still a lot of you know on the pitch there's stereotypes and and prejudices and then there's a lot a lot of lack of awareness that actually people can still play there's there's um you know, policies there that are inclusive in, in football is, is doing very well at that and moving in in a really good direction from coming from a point of inclusion. Um I just think it's really important. I mean, we talk about the, the Olympics this summer. I mean all of the attention was on Laurel Hubbard and but actually in terms of the um we had our first trans Openly trans Olympian to actually play was Quinn from, um, from Canada, the footballer, and you know they'd made their debut in, before in the Olympics before Laurel did. So Quinn Quinn got the first, and then Quinn won a, a gold medal. But there was no conversation about what. Oh my god, what kind of threat would Quinn be? So and actually, there's a, there's a little there's quite a lot of trans misogyny. So sort of um, transphobia against trans women. Um, that is all wrapped up in this that we need to really break away from. So I think with with trans inclusion in sport, it's we really want to celebrate, um, you know, the incredible things that trans athletes are doing, and we want to keep opening the, up the door for for that to be moving forward.
0: So does Stonewall and Rainbow Laces have specific campaigns, specific uh, activations, content creation? campaigns which take into account trans rights
1: 100 percent. i mean the whole campaign is is completely inclusive um and when we yeah when we speak for lgbtq plus inclusion you know there is no there is no lgbt lgb without the t so absolutely everything is embedded so the work we do year-round we do specific you know workshops on how to be a good ally to trans people. We you know we encourage and uh, we've had some incredible trans footballers um, step up this year and get involved and and speak out and tell their story. Um, absolutely, it's it's a central part of of what we do.
0: I'm keen to talk about football mm-hmm. and the importance of of the sport to the Rainbow Laces campaign compared to other sports. Yep. obviously it's the global game. It's the UK's game. It's the most popular sport. Uh, in most countries around the world does it carry more weight because of that
1: um, I, I think it does I mean I th- and I think that's why it's so incredible that football and you know the Premier League in particular have have recognized that that platform and this position they're in you can't escape football <laughs> and I mean I, I love it I've used, I've played for many years and I, I love the sport and um, so I feel like to an extent I'm a little bit biased because a lot of my life is around football but I, I do think that it's in a position where it has a big platform the players have a huge platform there is a lot of money behind it and for you know for better or for worse that being pumped in has actually opened the door for not only improvement in football but also where you know we're able to take a lot of particularly like the player care models or some community engagement models that we've developed within the Premier League and with with the clubs and now that's rolling out to sports that are less well-funded um, and reaching more and more and more people. And But that wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have it. That wouldn't exist. There wouldn't be access to it without the, you know, the brilliant investment of, of the Premier League as a team pride partner. So, you know, and we're the only people in the world Doing that, um, you know, it doesn't exist elsewhere, so you know, in the world, and we're now able to take that and bring it globally and sort of spread that message around. And that's some exciting projects coming up. So I think it's really good that that football not only has that voice but is using it well and is really mobilizing to to say, you know, we have we have this resource, we have this platform. A lot of footballers are also in a safe, you know, if if they're not LGBT. And I know, you know, at the moment, there's no out um, Premier League men's player. Allies do have a safer position to be able to speak out because they're not in direct threat of, of a lot of the dangers that LGBTQ plus people are in so you know where it might not be safe for you know for me to speak up maybe on in a in an area you look you turn around and you see people like jordan henderson or connor cody and you know having these conversations and saying them really clearly and you say right well you've you've got the platform um and you have the safety and you've you've spoken up and that's what rainbow laces is about this year it's recognizing that and then speaking up
0: it does feel like an impressive reaction i think With certain other sports, it feels like maybe because they're lower profile, Mm -hmm. there's easier access for an organization like Stonewall to talk to those, even at the top of their game, the top rugby players or the top tennis players or or maybe even lower profile sports than that. And I think football sometimes has been a little bit reticent to throw itself into it and has waited sometimes when maybe you would expect it to lead. But it sounds like that's not the case.
1: Yeah, I mean, football has been... Great. Um, You know, they're very clear from the beginning. It was, a, you know, hold your hands up, say, we need help, help, please. We don't know What, what should we be doing. And I think in some other sports, like not to make a massive comparison at all, but they either don't have the resources to be able to do that, or they might be getting it really well in some areas. But, you know, particularly in or maybe around women's sport or trans inclusion, it's not really going well. So there can be a little bit of, issues being conflated around but you know football has covered the whole spectrum of the game we do a lot of work within the WSL as well so it's um it, it is actually you know I, I absolutely love working with football and I, I don't want to say I'm biased but I am a little bit
0: <laughs> you mentioned that there's no openly gay male footballer in the Premier League mm-hmm. um, until very recently there was no openly gay male footballer in any top flight league mm-hmm. around the world that's changed now with mm-hmm. Josh Cavallo, the, 22 year old Australian coming out recently yeah. and announcing that he's a gay, a gay man. How big and how big was that announcement? how important was it? the lgbtq plus
1: campaign i mean huge and i mean firstly to give him all the credit and the bravery to be able to do that and the courage i think you know there's something about coming out where most of us who have to go through it you know i know i i came out to myself at about 16 i didn't tell anyone else until i was 20 but and i didn't have to make a public announcement about it you know what was going through josh's mind when he first realized and then when he told his family and then you know, the, the long process, it's, it's long. Um, but all as you're going through it, you're building up some skills that are, you know, fantastic to have in sport, like courage and resilience and self-awareness and, you know, all of these things that, that are useful on the pitch. So part of it is, you know, he was really clear about this, that he was getting a bit exhausted to, to try to, uh, shield things. And he wanted to be his best self in the game and bring all those skills that he had fully and openly to, to playing. Um, and I think by by doing that, by by coming out and by saying exactly what he said about, you know, I'm tired of being exhausted, I think it really adds weight to this idea that we really do need to create environments where people feel comfortable to come out because it's not helping anybody. You know to to sit there in the closet and to feel like you can't be open and honest to the people who are closest to you to your family who you you know your teammates you get so so close to people and to have to hide something constantly is is not great so on that side of it i hope it sent that message to, to people and especially with the result that he, the reaction he got from around the football world, which was just, you know, pure respect, um, especially from players and coaches. And yeah, I think in terms of the visibility for LGBTQ plus people, seeing people succeed and, you know, doing the things that you love to do and who are respected because of doing the things that you love to do, you know, it adds another dimension to be able to, you know, a young kid turning around today and being like, hey, I can be gay and I can be a professional footballer because look someone's done it, it's possible. Um and they can turn around to their parents and say, Hey, it is possible. Um, you know, don't worry about me and all of these things that people have to deal with. Um, the fact that we have examples that you can still succeed, um, because of your identity, um, not just in spite of it, is is huge. So yeah, massive, massive props to Josh.
0: Did that reaction that you mentioned there surprise you? It was an overwhelming outpouring of support and it felt like the reaction amplified the announcement itself and it became a bigger thing because of it. From my personal point of view, it doesn't surprise me that people would support it, Mm -hmm. but the level of support, the number of people, the highest profile players and teams and federations in the world all acknowledging that this was a big moment, Mm -hmm. I thought in itself was a big moment.
1: Yeah, I don't think it surprised me either, You know, especially with what had... You know what a lot of the footballers were doing. You know, for example, over the summer at Euros and the way that they get involved in the campaign in Rainbow Laces. You know, I it didn't surprise me because I know that there is that engagement. I was also, I think, looking at some of the fan engagement. You know, I, I didn't really see very many messages of, of you know, that were negative, and I think there is just this idea of. Ooh, you know, we're moving forward. This is great. Like the work that we're putting in is paying off. People feel accepted. And I think that's, you know, that's the crux of what, especially high profile players and, you know, elite sports people, you want people to feel like you, they could be on your team. You want to feel like you have that camaraderie and that support. It's a big part of You know football as a as a team sport so to be able to sort of say oh actually we are going in the right direction where people are feeling more and more like they can they can perform their best by being themselves and yeah i think that's only going to be a positive so yeah it was it it wasn't surprising but it was it was a bit of a relief to see all that
0: i saw cavallo came out and said that he hopes that in the near future it won't even be Mm -hmm. piece of news when a a man a male footballer comes out as, as openly gay yeah it feels like women's sport is possibly there already. There mm-hmm. is a reasonably high number of openly mm-hmm. gay uh, women's players. Does that mean you have a different set of tactics when talking mm-hmm. about women's sport?
1: Yeah, yeah, we do. I, I mean, I think there's still uh, issues around coming out for a lot of women's athletes. Um, and you know, we could we could sit here and talk all day. And I, I have very strong feelings about this because it was my experience myself. But um, you know, a lot of the ties in together between sexism and misogyny and and homophobia and biphobia and transphobia it's all directly related so the idea that a lot of people are a lot of young young girls are sort of turned away from sport because oh I don't want to be the lesbian and then they realize that oh my god I might be I might be LGBTQ plus I don't want to conform to the stereotype I don't want to come out. And I know that's still a barrier for a lot of people. And I coach a lot of young players at the moment. And and I know that is still something that they talk about. And that was my experience 20 years ago. So it is all wrapped up and there's still that reticence. But the conversations that we have and we're able to have within um, women's football are a little bit moved beyond. And I think it's gotten to a point where, you know, within the communities, it's accepted. But now it's like, actually now we have to look at the, the realities and the challenges that people might face. So uh, we did something incredible, like one of my favorite things, a program with um, some of the England coaches a few years ago, where we're saying, okay, well, what is an actual challenge that like, what is a real challenge related to identity that's come up? It's not that people are hurling homophobic abuse at the, at the players. It's the fact that we've got you know, a player who is in a relationship with a person on the other team and you're playing in the World Cup. How do you manage that? Um, Or, you know, what we had with um, Kate and Helen Richardson Walsh, they're playing in an Olympics together. One of them gets hurt. How do you motivate the other one to keep playing? Um, And when actually, usually you'd have your partner go to the hospital with you, but no, you know, Kate got hurt. Helen has to keep going in, in in an Olympic game. And these are issues not caused by lgbtqbus identities but that we're aware of now and because we're in a position where we can actually say hey this is the reality and this is awesome um that people can live their lives now we can turn around and say well now how can we build on this how can we acknowledge that this is these are new complications um it's the beauty of sport that we now have to just face and and deal with and um the reception is is overwhelmingly positive um but i do think that sort of yeah the stereotypes and the um the idea that yeah the worst thing you in the world you could possibly be in in school is like you know the a, a lesbian who plays sport you know that is that still exists um, and that's still a challenge we have to face in, in women's sport. And it still does affect um, you know, professional players.
0: It does feel like the conversation is just more present than it used mm-hmm. to be in women's sport, but also in men's sport. It yeah. feels like it's no longer something that people necessarily have to tiptoe around. Mm-hmm. It's something that is, part of the narrative, particularly at this time of the year. In fact, I wanted to ask you about that, because Mm -hmm. do you see it as potentially an issue that Rainbow Laces now has such a groundswell of opinion and positivity around it that people look forward to it? They know it's part of the football calendar every November, December. Mm -hmm. Rainbow Laces are going to be worn, Rainbow Laces are going to be talked about. But is it potentially an issue that because it's such a big thing at this time of year, it then sort of loses visibility for the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting, because I think in, in my, um I don't think that's the case, actually, at all. And I, part of it is because my busiest time of year is February and March. And yeah, so I'm sitting here thinking that no, this is the quiet time. Um, and part of it is because people have the, you know, the laces and the boots, and then we go in and it's, well, it's LGBTQ US history month. And then in terms of, you know, when people are actually playing sport, you have, club finals moving up in March or varsities or, you know, Bucks um, university season accumulating. And that kind of goes all year round. And then we see with other sports, I mean, you know, cricket always do massive for rainbow aces in July Um, pride month in June. Like it's, it's an ongoing conversation. And I think there's always a, a way for people to, to pull up this idea of actually this, this month suits our calendar and we're going to, shout about it um the idea that football uses this time of year you know professional football uses this time of year to really go for it is because it's that's what works that's what works for the Premier League and and the EFL and the WSL but then that sort of conversation is outgoing and an ongoing and I think you know the LGBTQ us lives you know they don't we don't just exist in these two months we're constantly playing sport all year round so we see often people using this as a as a starting point of saying actually we're going to Use rainbow laces to sit down and have a meeting and talk about how our club policies can change, and then they'll spend the next six months changing them, and and then you really start to see you know things launched and new conversations happening in the summertime, so it's it's not just about a everybody puts it on now and then you take it off and leave it and that's the big part behind the the campaign especially is that speak up side of okay we're speaking up. But part of that is having the conversations to identify what the barriers are. And then the next step is to take them down. And I think that's that's a big part and the big goal of the campaign, which is to yeah get people to think about it, get people to identify what else needs to be done, and then take the rest of the year to do that action. And then this time next year, we can sit back and say, look how far we've come. Now what next? And then you know go even further.
0: I think Black Lives Matter threw up questions around the positive impact or otherwise of Allyship and mm-hmm. particularly performative allyship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People sort of some people would say, well, you know, any visibility is good visibility and any support is good support. And others said actually performative allyship really doesn't achieve anything because, you know, are people genuinely supporting this cause or is it to get a couple of likes on their Instagram page? Yeah. Do you see any parallels with that, with Rainbow Laces? Or, or do you think any positive endorsement is uh, is good?
1: I, I do I do see parallels. I mean I think with you know, there's pinkwashing, which is basically the term for when all the brands, you know, sell us pride stuff and put rainbows on everything and um, and then take our take our money and don't get to, don't donate to charities or, or don't do anything with that. So, yeah, that is a massive problem. Um, but I don't see that with Rainbow Laces. I think with what's happening is because I know it because it's my my job, you know, all year round and our our whole team's job. And you see the work that's happening with the clubs is that when when. A club turns their logo rainbow. It's it's happening this time of year because it's around the campaign. But I I know that you know they're going they're doing the work behind the scenes and they really are. So I don't see that as performative allyship. What would not be okay if somebody had laces in and then started spouting something negative. And I do have no instances of that happening. But fortunately, what we've seen is people are learning. So somebody, that person would then be in really the minority of, of people who, you know, they, they have, who are saying and thinking negative things. And then they have people calling them in and calling them out and sort of challenging and saying, we are, you know, we're learning from this, we're learning together and, you know, we're a team and that culture is just not acceptable here. So yeah. It's clearly
0: about reaching as many people as possible in all walks of life, via multiple sports Mm -hmm. but have you got any specific cases of true allyship any clubs or players who really have gone beyond and maybe it's not performative allyship but beyond uh, gestures and really become true allies to the lgbtq plus community
1: yeah absolutely i think um i mean in football um i'll point out liverpool as as you know a massive one i know with what Jordan Henderson was doing last year, you know, with, with reaching out on, on Twitter and and showing his support and engaging and having conversations with fans um, last last year when he spoke to the fan on Twitter and then in the summertime when he did it around the England game, you know, he didn't have to do that. And wearing the laces is, is enough, but the fact that he actually reached out was amazing i mean how how incredible to have somebody like that talk to you on twitter i you know that's that's really cool, but also to show that that message and make it super clear. I know Connor Cody made he won a Football Alley of the Year award, but he made some fantastic statements around actually how heartbreaking he found the, the idea that people couldn't come out, and he really got really emotive about it. And I I think I remember watching that and thinking, wow, you you're not just doing this because you're told to do it; you're doing it because you really feel it. And I think that's the it's not the action; it's the it's the how and the what's behind it. And I was privileged to be on a few different, you know, witness a few different conversations. And I know Connor had one with Allie Miller, who was a women's player on uh, Wolves. Saw a couple of others, the Jurgen Klopp one with Michaela Moore from Liverpool. Um, she's a um, an out women's player. And, you know, what Jurgen was saying with learning from her and really doing the whole, when we talk about speak up, like he actually did it. He sat down with her and asked her questions and learned from her and was like, whoa, I'm, I, I can do much more and I can... I I've, my eyes have been opened and he was really public about that so I think it's that genuineness that you see um but even went beyond the the big big names it's it's players that I remember when I you know came out I had teammates who came up to me and were like hey you know how can I make this easier for you and literally that one line was is enough or was at, at the time enough to start the conversation to say actually I'm struggling in this other area can you just you know I got your back on the pitch. I'm a goalkeeper. Um, you know, can you can you get my back off the pitch in this way? And it's those little, we talk a lot at Stonewall about the, um, the big little things. So, you know, a tweet, a conversation, a, a reach out. Um, it's a massive theme in mental health talk as well. But just, just reach out um, and do it genuinely. And I think that's what we're, we're seeing increasingly with the professional players. You know, they didn't have to do that. They don't have to talk about this stuff. And they don't have to feel that emotive about it, but they do. And, and that's what's really, you know, really great to see. And that's real pure support.
0: We spoke to Connor Cody recently as well at Goal. A correspondent, Emma Smith, had an interview with Connor Cody. And I agree, what Sean through was just a desperation to share the emotion. It, yeah. f- it was very visceral, the interview. It felt mm-hmm. like this wasn't, there were no platitudes or tokenisms mm-hmm. in there. It was really this kind of fun. Um, sensation that he really wanted to support the cause and, and help however he could yeah so Aaron, where does rainbow laces go next how do you evolve the campaign in the years
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's something we're constantly thinking about and checking in on and i think it we'll see where this year goes in terms of what conversations are are led and what comes up and you know a massive part of our our work at stonewall is to be led by communities and to check in with people and um, you know, we don't claim to know all the answers, and we don't come up with all the directions. You know, we we listen to people, and we talk, and we say, you know, what are what's going on? What popped up from the conversations we had in Rainbow Laces twenty twenty one that we need to take forward in our work throughout the year, and then next year. So, I you know, I think it's it's continuing to speak. To speak up, and when we say speak up, it's you know speaking to LGBTQ plus people. It's it's speaking for us when it's appropriate, but it's you know it's speaking and learning with, and and then seeing what comes from there. I definitely think we need to you know keep the fight going for trans inclusion. Um, we need to make sure that you know LGBTQ plus people of color are included. We need to do a lot more in the Paralympic spheres um, and you know i do think we've only really scratched the surface of what of what the reality is in in women's sport um and or you know people that play in the women's sports sort of circles so there's a lot more we could be doing um when we do it you know during the year um but in terms of rainbow laces it's it's turning around and saying well what has come up what what are the issues and, and where do we go from it and then yeah get more and more players involved every year and and you know really take over
0: can you let us know where and how people can find out more about stonewall and rainbow laces
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely we have a rainbow laces hub on the stonewall website so just head over to um, stonewall.org.uk and click rainbow laces um our twitter feed at, at stonewall uk is highlighting loads around not just what we're doing but what the clubs are doing and um, if you ever have any questions or thoughts or want to take things forward, send us an email at sport at stonewall.org.uk and a member of the team will get back to you.
0: Well, Erin, many congratulations for all the successes you've had so far. Thank Best you. of luck for the future. Thank
1: and you much. And thank you so very much.
0: much for your time on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been really enjoyable.
0: And if anyone would like to listen to more episodes on the business of football, please make sure you're following this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform, if you liked this, the full episode will be available on footballco.com. And check out the show archives for more of the same. All the best. The Football
1: Co Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. In
0: association with Soccer Connecting football for 25 years.